Welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. My name is Andy Zaremba, and with me behind the helm, without a camera today, is of course Mike. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm happy to be here, and uh, very, very grateful just to have this day on this beautiful planet. Absolutely. Especially, you know, we, I don't know if we'll get into it too much today, but there was a, a tragedy in your men's group that yeah. just happened, and yeah. it's, it's a, a guy who is known locally and mm-hmm. had a lot of local influence and friends and following and there's a tragic accident just yesterday that happened i believe and yeah it's uh kind of making its ripples through the community now which is yeah it's extremely sobering and um yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it does kind of come up today's conversation because we have people that can definitely go into depth so um we'll see but um yeah my group and and the 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 big uh, community at large is definitely in a very somber sober mood and and um just you know trying to feel our ways through it right now to be right. honest with you so i know our meeting next week will be very intense but also very beautiful i'm sure so yeah, when well, something like that happens it's super tragic and yeah. you know just thinking about the family at this time totally and uh yeah. you know we wish them like to you know be able to process and whatever they need to do to to process yeah move forward tragedies. but yeah. yeah i don't even know what to say about it to be honest seriously but, but so but yeah you know but i'm here kind of and gl- not not the, the most chipper way to start a podcast hey man but, it's real it's real and, yeah. and life is life and um it is very precious and it can literally be um be gone in any moment so it's like whatever you're at whatever you're doing right now just just know that that is a very real possibility and um you be know, thankful for what you got and yeah the people around try to you, right do your best mm, yeah totally. that's it Cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And do you want to talk about... Right. So yeah. we're podcasting here, as per usual, out of Float House at Vancouver Real Studios in Float House. Um, this is in Gastown, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And um, floathouse.ca is our website. Float House is the main sponsor of Vancouver Real. It's really what makes uh, this whole thing possible uh, from the space and the resources. And um, so if you want to check out flotation therapy and experience a very unique uh, personal subjective experience of, uh, of, of, of extreme, I would guess extreme meditation. It sounds kind of weird, but, um, it's extreme meditation. And, um, uh, but if you want to check it out, use the promo code Vancouver real, and you can find tons of info on floathouse.ca and, uh, and give it a shot. We'd love to host your host your float here at float house. So yeah, check it out. Thank you. Awesome. And what should I talk about? I guess we should... I'll talk about uh, Mindful Mass. We have the Mindful Mass Meditation Mobs. We should be having another uh, Fall Equinox Meditation, which is free. We don't have a location lined up for that yet, so just stay tuned, and we will announce that. Also, if you haven't heard, uh, but you might have if you've been listening, I've taken over the city director for Mantox, Vancouver. And uh, actually, our guest today is going to be speaking at an event with us in the fall, which we're not going to announce yet because we have one right before that. But um, if you'd like to connect with the Mantox community, there's a great community Facebook page. Um, and there's also uh, Mantox.com if you'd like to stay up to date on events. And also um, Vancouver Real Community. We haven't mm-hmm. really had an event for them for a while, but we're, we're definitely overdue for a workshop. But totally. we have potentially one coming down the pipe, oh, cool. which will be all about Good. purpose, which is... Uh, always a great subject to dive into. A lot no of people doubt. struggle with purpose and meaning, and anything to help guide people towards that is very valuable. So if you'd like to link up to the Vancouver Real community and stay up to date on future events, go to the Vancouver Real community page on Facebook, and uh, we'll we'll let you in. All are welcome. And that's it. That's it. So I'm really excited about today's podcast, and I, you know, 
We had a really great conversation a few years back, and I'd like to welcome back Sachin and Suzanne Raja. Welcome to welcome back to Vancouver Real, and welcome to your first episode. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, so, Andy. yeah, you're welcome. You guys, um, and even though you're not on camera, he's having a good hair day. Thank you. He very is much. having a good hair. You really are. You know what the thing was? <laughs> I just used just a little bit of shampoo today. I, did, I need that <laughs> natural oil to help the form. Anyway, side yeah. sidebar. I'm right. just jealous, but sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm in the process of growing my hair out right now, which is you know very awkward. I don't really know what to do with it, so I'm just sort of slicking it, and I'm like, okay, maybe this will help with. Uh, the awkwardness of that whole process. It's got to go but, somewhere. You know, you know, apparently it's going to make me more sensitive, right? Yes. Apparently the hair is the antenna. This is what I hear these days. And yes. if you have longer hair, you become more sensitive. <laughs> so, I mean, you can, you can refute that if you want well. to. Well, <laughs> you bald and, and, I and streamlined. Love, I love being in the center of listening to the three of you men talk about <laughs> hair. <laughs> <laughs> we're beautiful. We're the modern, modern men, right? We're comfortable <laughs> with this sort of thing. It is. Right? I'm enjoying well, it. Men's hair is a, it's a whole thing it is now. Samson like, and, you know, the whole idea of yeah. the power in the hair. Right. Also in many right. um, First Nations traditions. Yep. Powers in the hair, and yeah. without it, it's gone. Well, I want to experience mm. some of that. Mm. I've always been pretty like clean cut, like you know, straight military style almost. So, I'm definitely, you know, growing out of that. But um, I'm guys... just looking at you guys and really feeling what else, what will never be for me. Oh, <laughs> come on! Well, now. listen, it's not about the size of the boat, you know. That's it right. is the ocean motion. It's, it's how it's how you use it for That's sure. It's right. the grooming. It's the grooming. Absolutely, okay. the grooming is critical. So you guys are from WarriorStage.com, and I know you guys have a lot of different retreats. You guys host retreats for uh, executives and CEOs. And you, you train a lot of really big names. You work with corporations. But um, why don't you give everyone here an update about what you've been up to for the past few years and, and, what, and what you do? Mm. Our main work is we work with leaders who are in positions of making big change in the world. And our focus is to help them stay dialed into that mission. I believe that those who are really in a peak performance mindset already, you know, what's their next level of movement, their next level of evolution? And for me, it's actually going way back into Taoism. So the strong force of the Yang Western masculine drive, I believe, has great value when it's coming from the heart, coming from our fullest integrated states of consciousness. Yet, <clears throat> when it's only coming from our drive to a accumulate, to gain, to conquest, to keep growing, then um, this level of consciousness appears as our corporations which are destroying the world. Mm -hmm. So I believe individuals are in positions of power can shift their consciousness and embrace these type of timeless wisdoms where they're not just going for themselves. They're not just going for their stockholders and themselves, but they're intrinsically are bringing into account the greater good. In all their intentions, their decisions, it's flowing out of the fact that they've now attained a higher state of consciousness, a more expanded state of being. So our work is really helping people stay dialed into that, deal with their life, their family, bring equilibrium back into their life, bring splendor back in their life. Absolutely. So, you know, we work with influential people who are wanting to make a difference in the world as well. And this excites us. 
We find out what it is that they want to attain personally and professionally, and we help them to attain just that in really powerful and profound ways. Right. So you guys work with very elite level high performers already. And before the podcast, we were sort of discussing what do we want to, what do we want to talk about today, and leadership came up. And typically people in that CEO position traditionally has been very sort of top-down, authoritative. A lot, of, a lot of corporations still probably have that structure. And there, there can be an, it can be an effective way to run a corporation, but it's like, you know, there's that old Russian phrase that, you know, the fish rots from the head down. Yes. So if that, if that leader, that CEO doesn't have their head on straight and have their values in the right place, you know, well, what does that say for the rest of the corporation, right? Exactly. So... I'm guessing this is, you know, part of why you can impact potentially more people because you're you're impacting the people who are the change makers and the decision makers within those corporations. And if they're moving in a great direction, then exactly. you know they're more likely to get that company moving in a good direction. Absolutely. You know, there's a deep schism in society and business that success means you know it's cancerous in a way. There's you know, if you keep growing, it's going to be eating up its own self, a cancer cell, and die eventually on its own. Although its growth rate is extreme and fast and, and voracious in its appetite, and it as an entity grows very quickly and powerfully and feels it's strong on its own, but it doesn't realize it's eating its own food supply. Right. It's mm-hmm. destroying itself eventually. And its whole beingness. Why? Because it's lost its symbiotic relationship with the whole. With the greater good. Right. It does seem like um, that is a common affliction going on on the planet Earth these days. You know, we are just, we are consuming everything. Uh, we're, we're, you know, about hyper, you know, mass production, um, mass consumption. Um, and that is really the root cause. And, you know, the Earth's population is going to rise to, I think, 9 billion or something by 2070 in and around there is what the, they say. So we got, I think we have like around 7 billion now. So we've got a lot of mouths to feed, right? And we definitely need to, you know, flip the switch and become more sustainable in some way. So Absolutely. Um, I'm guessing if you can sort of tap into the CEOs and like get them connected with more of well, maybe a heart-centered consciousness as opposed to just potentially just straight from the head, like maybe ego-driven where they're just going after whatever they're going for and, and they're having success in the short term. But like you said, you know, it's going to eventually like devour all the resources on the planet and we're going to be stuck here. Like, you know, like, exactly. what happened? Well, you know, this modern term of, you know, crushing it. Mm. Obviously, it has a connotation of my willpower is overcoming conquering any limitation in myself yeah. i'm growing beyond my limitations great it has that connotation but also built into that language is that sense of uh, self-destruction i'm crushing it yeah always in the great Tao, it says anyone who's crushing it sooner or later will be crushed it may be the divorce that's around the corner it may be the children that there's alienation from it could be the distancing from their health could be feeling a disconnection or lack of connection to higher meaning and deeper purpose and altruism or feeling that my life has any meaning greater than just survival and week to week, right? Right. So for me, we already have, I I believe we already have all the environmental solutions. We have all the business solutions. We're not lacking in solutions. We're not lacking in brilliance. Mm -hmm. We've got some of the most brilliant minds everywhere right now working on the forefront 
um, of the, making great change on the, the planet. And the accumulation of all the brilliant minds that came before us as well. Like everyone built upon everybody Absolutely. else. It's all there. What I feel right now is much needed is galvanization of resolve. Resolve. Break that down a bit. What do you mean by that? So that means, you know what? We, we as individuals and as leaders, we're all leaders, let's face it. We're the leader of our household for a family man. We're a leader of our own self if we're an individual living in life and working our way through life. And if we're in charge of more than others or supporting others or influencing others, which we all, I believe, and I know are, each and every one of us are already in a power position of influence. And if we don't believe so, it's our own illusion. Mm. Even when we're miserable, we're in a position of influence. Mm. We're sucking the energy. Sure. I mean, you look at the guy on the street, the homeless guy. He influences everyone that walks past him, whether they're aware of it or not. You know, like you're right. It doesn't even matter. That's really cool. So for me, this resolve is the sense of we know what's there now. We have the understanding, the insight. We must awaken feminine wisdom. Mm. We must bring more of that understanding. We must bring more of these ancient understandings, bring wisdom and depth cultivate depth once again as individuals in society, not just surface bling, not just gain accumulation. And I feel that all starts within our heart and our being. Right. And motivation isn't necessarily the problem that you, that you have with your clients. Like they're, they're motivated, like they're moving, right? But the question is, what direction are they moving in? So let's say you get a high-performing CEO and they come to you and, they, and they're working with you. Where do you start with somebody like that? Someone who's got a lot of energy, a lot of brains, a lot of power. How do you direct that into, into or channel that into a really um, sustainable or more functional way of being, being a leader? So what we do is we find out what is at their core. What is their core desire? What is driving them? What is that passion that they, that they are really wanting to bring into the world? What is that thing that they need to live now that they can die complete? And are they giving that? Are they bringing that? Not only in their workplace, but are they bringing that in their family life? Are they bringing that in their health? Are they, are they bringing that in their spiritual life? Is there a balance or are they having many hats and trying to juggle and trying to figure out which, how should I be in different aspects of their life? So it's about finding that, that they, how they want to be living get to the core of that and make sure that they are living that fully in all aspects of their life. Right. Now, when you say that, can you, can you dive a little deeper into what that is? The core, their core, um, their core purpose, mm-hmm. their core purpose for this life. What is that? What are they here to give in this world? And if they're giving that in their work, then are they bringing that home? Are they taking that in their, in their health, in their wellness? Are they bringing that in all aspects of their life? Right. So, A lot of these people too, like money isn't, isn't the issue for them, right? But again, it's like we're so focused on that production and climbing the ladder and producing, yeah. producing and, and just being a high performer, all of those buzzwords that you hear. Um, 
But how do you get somebody who is like again in that in that state to yeah. connect with like that true calling, that true essence? You know that maybe they're blinded by you know cultural expectations of what success looks like. <laughs> if and we it, told you how we did it, we'd uh, oh, I don't know. You'd be giving away the secret sauce. To, I don't know if we can actually <laughs> give, you know reveal or divulge that. Right. But what what we basically do is we take them, we rip them outside of everyday ordinary reality. Mm. They have everyone who's in a position of leadership has worked their buns off, have put out extreme amounts of energy for long periods of time are usually running on 12 cylinders and uh, very low rest and there tends to be personal issues that haven't been looked at for for a long time and and then so really our job is to sleuth that out right right to sleuth that out and reveal it in truth because truth is i believe the most powerful beginning mm. right Powerful beginning. So you, you got, and maybe you don't need to divulge how you take them out of their ordinary reality, but like, why is that important? Why do they need to do that? Like, what is it? What do you see happens when you do that to somebody? There's a fixated reality that everyone gets involved, a mechanistic mindset, an everyday type of uh, a habituated life. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a high performance, even if it's an exhilarating, it's still a habituated life. Sometimes people need to be pulled out or experience something that they've never experienced. Sometimes for us, it's taking them on um, shamanic journeys. Sometimes it's taking them into the eye of the warrior within themselves that they've never touched or faced, the spiritual warrior within themselves. And um, the outward warrior, we can all utilize. We can all have the, the fierce fighter. I'm talking about the spiritual warrior aspect the one that has a noble mission, a connection to something greater. And call it the ephemeral, call it the divine, call it God, call it mm-hmm. uh, truth, whatever, however it appears to individuals. I believe that each, each of us as leaders, that spark of our ultimate leadership is actually sourced in that magnificence. And when that magnificence is touched, its light is so bright, it brings light upon the shadows that brought the leadership into, into particular places, but based on egoic tendencies or the desire to prove something or the desire to show dad or mom or society that I'm a somebody or whatever the psychological drive was that drives people into ins- insane levels of intensity, which then pushes the whole company. Right. right. Right? Yeah. So this is not an individual issue. This is a cultural issue. It's a culture in the family the culture with the extended societal family and the culture and business. Now it's so overlapped that this extreme forcing of life is destroying us. Hmm. So I believe that we first have to come to equilibrium, come to our own inner splendor and radiance. And then when that happens, it's only when you've tasted that nectar, those states of being, hmm. that expansive um, freedom, it's an inner feeling. It's an inner subjective, you know, like you've experienced in floating. We go into realms and dimensions that cannot be confined in a physical body. Right. When people who are in fixated positions experience these states profoundly and deeply, they get to reorient the most precious decisions from that depth rather than from what used to drive them. Mm. Speaking about those drivers that we might not be aware of, you said an interesting word in there, which I kind of keyed on was uh, shadow. And, 
you know, thinking about the subconscious drivers. And, you know, everybody has a shadow side. Everybody has something that's they're unaware of that's driving them potentially uh, in, in not so good ways. What are some ways, well, maybe first off, what are some, what are some common elements that you see in people that are like sort of neurosis-based elements of like their personality that, that are really common in today's society? What are the things that you see that, um, that, are, that are more negative aspects of their nature as opposed to the outward persona that so many people put out in the world? Hmm. So, you know, we were speaking about being driven, so driven and so wanting to get to the to the end result and not knowing why they're so driven. They're driven because maybe they have a um a familial mommy daddy wound. Right. They're trying to please daddy. So, you know, for some of the, the women that I work with, they're trying to please daddy. And by working their bones to the ground, they'll finally be good enough. So one of the shadows is not feeling good enough. You know, and um, the daddy, like, mommy, not enough. wounds, not enough. Yeah, feeling that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had this, this medicine experience few years ago and uh i was really exploring that sense of lack you know there's there's this there's this inner sense of lack within myself i'm like what is that dissatisfaction that seems to be there you know it's always this little dissatisfaction and i really went in and i kept going just deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and um it was strange because I was just going internal into my consciousness, which is very difficult to explain, but I was just bringing my awareness there to the point where I was just following my pain all the way down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I could almost see the words, like I could almost see the words like come in front of my face when I found it. And it was just that what you said is that simple phrase of I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's the source of that sort of dissatisfaction. Why? But it didn't tell me why I have that. But it's just I identified that that source of it. Now the question is, when you when you find that, when you go really deep inside yourself, mm-hmm. you identify that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how how can you start to heal that, or maybe move away from that? Mm-hmm. So Andy, you asked the question, why? Why do I have that? Most times we're not interested in why you have it. Mm. It's about Getting, it is a bridge. What it is that um, not good enough is actually a bridge that if you see it as a bridge and you take it as a bridge, it will get you over to the other side. It's not why is the bridge there, but the bridge is there. Right. So it's an opportunity for us to take ourselves over to the other side. So the not good enough, perfect. Let's work with that. Let's take that now and let's do it quickly. That's and we're about making it quick. Yeah. yeah. The, the investigative wormholes of going into why you're not good enough, why you don't feel valuable enough, is endless. 
Right. You know, you've seen those right. magicians that pull out the mind kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, you keep finding many reasons, and there right. could be many, but the, right. and the one main or two or five or ten incidences that perhaps happened when we were young, those will give birth, and there'll be many attachments and tendrils of associated relationship experiences that are imprinted. Right. So what we search for is we look for what is the root or re- what's the biggest imprint, what's the biggest suffering right now. Hmm. That's what counts. If not, you'll be like every philosophy has its reason. One will say it's because of this energy and one will say it's because of this. You go to a thousand healers, they'll give you a different color for each reason. Right. Right. So our main focus is finding what the root, not the why it's there, as Suzanne was saying, but transforming it. Now, how do you transform it? Mm-hmm. That's, That's the, the question. Okay. So I'm going to paint very quickly this idea of this philosophy or this idea called decision of defeat. Okay, so let's say I, I can remember a little story from mine when I was a young fellow, probably 12 or so. I was in school and there was this girl I liked, Kathy, and I was nervous to approach her and finally I mustered up enough gumption to approach her and I said, hey, let's can I take you for lunch or whatever. And all her friends were around and started laughing mm-hmm. and I got really dejected. So... Part of me says, I'm a guy, I like girls, so I move towards girls. I made a decision, girls are awesome, I want to move towards them. So, decision towards the girls. Now I had this bad experience, which I looked at it as a horrible experience in that moment. That's how it got imprinted. So now girls are unsafe. Mm, I like girls and girls are unsafe. Both these energies are happening simultaneously for the rest of my life until they're investigated and seen. So when we have these halts, these procrastinations, when we have bigger visions within ourselves, but somehow we don't muster enough energy or break through or follow through to completion, we've got these hidden decisions of defeat. We made a decision underneath a defeated situation where we were down, we felt like we were a loser or, or whatever, and I'll never let that happen again. I'll, I'll never let men or women come into my life again. I'll never do business with a brown man or a white man or a black man. All these things just keep, and then it becomes societal, wider and wider. Hmm. So when we can see that these obstacle states are rooted in this duality, this antagonistic duality called decisions of defeat, then we can start undoing the knot. Interesting. Right. Because that makes so much sense because we are, we all, we have all the tools that we need within us, right? We're all, we all have the hardware, right? We have the, most of us have like the minds that can create whatever we need to. Um, but somewhere along the way, you know, we hit a roadblock, we get to a failure and then we decide that again, like you said, not going to let that happen again. Right. Um, now, I think that's, that is one of the key things that is really preventing people from, say, reaching their full potential. Or, I mean, again, with the CEO types, like, they're already at a, functioning at a very high level. But how does that manifest when they're they are... are functioning at a high level in business. Right. That's, that's what I mean. So I'm saying, how, do, how does that manifest in their lives when, like, um, let's say they're functioning really high, making a lot of money, but, like, the rest of their lives might not be so, so rosy? That's what happens. That, that tends to be the case is that they put all of their energy, all of their focus into making money, making the career work because 
of the core aspect of themselves that either feels like they're not good enough and they've got to go, 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 go and make something happen. Yeah. Or for whatever reason that is, they put all of their attention into that and then it, the balance, it, it, they fall off of balance. And they forget things like their health, things like their relationships. They often suffer because of that. And so for us, it's about creating a culture where all of the aspects of their life, their family, their faith, their along with their finances and their fitness is all um, in balance. Right. So working on the whole individual. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. And nothing nowadays can be done in segments. Right. Everything, everything is every, holistic. Everything, everything already everything is holistic. That's right. Right. And also your relationships and your key relationships. And I should have mentioned this earlier, but you two are married, right? Yes. And you've been together for now... 31? 31 years. 31 years. That's quite impressive. (laughs) You know, one thing that they say about relationships is that it can become the greatest mirror of your life. Like, relationships can be the the greatest reflector of everything. And even though, you know, it, it can be so easy to walk away from relationships... You know, and I think in this day and age, people, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll break up with their partner or they'll get a divorce and they'll throw it all the way instead of meeting each other and trying to work through that together. Because I feel like you can get, achieve like massive healing when you're able to do that. So what are some of the keys that you guys have learned over the past 31 years that has helped you grow as a couple and stay, stay together and stay so strong and not to mention like run these retreats and workshops together and be partners not only but in life but in business and you maintain and in parenting and in parenting as well right you've done that journey i know so you know how do you do that how do you how do you merge all those things and make it so so functional so harmonious Mm -hmm. thank you well one of the the key principles that we follow is something um called passion equals polarity Mm. so our passion is our num- is is our num- one of our number one values with each other, and so over time, rather than you know it being over time and then slowly our passion wanes, our passion is stronger now than it's ever been, and it just keeps building and building and building, and so for us, our priority is to keep our passion alive. Right. And polarity means the electricity between us. Hmm. And noticing whatever it is that we're doing, are we causing each other to be more electrified? Are we causing each other to be more neutralized with each other? Meaning there's no nothing going on at all. More like brother, sister, brother, buddies, sister. or friendship, which is, so which is nice. It's so Plutonic. common too, which right? Is so common. So many right. relationships lose the passion and fire. Exactly. So it's an awareness. And, and even worse, it's they repulse Ex- each other, right? Exactly. Right. Or are we repulsing each other by mm. what it is that we're doing, how we're behaving, how we're being with each other? So it's an awareness. It's having that principle that passion equals polarity for us that has us be in that awareness of whatever it is that we're doing, we try to build polarity with each other. And in that, there's... Life is sexy. Life is juicy. It's, it's easier when we're hot with each other. It's not only an example for others to, to, 
to see and want to aspire to, but it's also um, it, it's a beautiful way to live our life, and that's part of our culture. Right. I'm guessing with that polarity, you know, you're going to have the ex- obviously the extremes, and that keeps the fire and passion rich in your relationship. You mean arguments? <laughs> well, this is where I'm going with, the with Jamaican it. The what are you talking about, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, Picture I mean, perfect, buddy. well, <laughs> right. So, so now that we've established it's, it's not always super harmonious. Um, it's, it's not. I mean, we have, our, we have our disagreements just like anybody else does. Right. We are human just like anyone else is. But it's how we, how we show up to those things that makes a difference. Mm. And the willingness to show up. Yeah. And the we have a philosophy. We, it's, it's our way of life. It's a, you know, we've chosen to live a tantric relationship. Right. For us, a tantric relationship is a, a relationship where... I'm in devotion and she's in devotion. We're in devotion to each other's evolution, mm. right? What is my beloved's greatest shining? What's her greatest um, life experience? What could that be for her? She's, and I'm doing my best to deliver and support her and uplift her and fan those flames. She's doing the exact same for me. So when we're in argument, we remember that. Mm. Now we've learned tools. We utilize particular um, psycho-spiritual tools that when we're in, we've made a pact with each other that when we get into that tension, rather than pull away, that we actually go through this process. So we have yeah. a specific process. Mm. And it, we actually did it with our family all, all yesterday when there was a, a, a tense moment we had. Yeah. And it was very, very powerful because it, it, it's an empathy-expanding experience which allows you to feel and her to feel me and all the layers all the layers why I'm manifesting particular behaviors and vice versa. So there's a deep understanding and empathy mm-hmm. goes on, but also a self-realization of each other. So I believe that if you're going to be in relationship for the long term, if you choose to be in, then why not make it devotional? Why not mm. get behind evolving each other for a lifestyle? If not, you're going to get bored. It's going to get opinion, flat. In your right? opinion, how critical was it to have that sort of like philosophical um, approach from and like uh, that you're both aware of like this Tantra philosophy and this practice and like how critical was it to be on like that similar wavelength to actually have that structure to work with and, and, and that practice to work with. Do you think that was like foundational? It's huge to grow together. Right. And so for us, it was easier because we're, we both have similar, um, values and so you know actually you know the truth of it is satyan was more into um personal development Mm -hmm. in the you know in the structural terms than i was i you know i was just satyan would go and he would meditate and he would you know um go into who am i what is god and all of these things and for me i was just like well can't we just love each other can't we just you know, be happy at home? Can't we just give our love to people? And it was the same thing. But it was finding out what are our deepest values and growing from there. And that's the point. It's the growth. It's being willing to grow and grow together. Mm. And just having that ultimate commitment to do it, eh? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no back door. The key, the that's times. the key word, right? Commitment. So Commitment, but there's right. also a psychological back door that um, 
that can be there. Sure. And so, like, there's no back door. How do how do you eliminate that? How did you, you just gotta like just like a, you say like you're in it no matter what? Yeah, no back door. And th- I came to a realization right that there's more freedom with no back door than there was with the back. There's more spiritual freedom, more mm-hmm. evolutionary freedom. Right. There's less. I might have more freedom to go somewhere else or sure. whatever or wallow or reject or whatever, right? But the type of freedom that I was thirsting for was the evolutionary freedom. Hmm. And by, by evolutionary, you mean within the relationship or like In the relationship and in my own soul, in my own heart, in my own spirit. And for me, the there's so much depth to be had to stay in the fire and to be... And to, Fan the flame of devotion, really, and you know, she makes it easy. So mm. It's not like she makes it really easy. I mean, well, it's, it's funny when it's people, yeah. I, but I, yeah, sorry, I, I'm bro. a very blessed. Man. I, I yeah. think that that notion that I like how you guys keep using that devotion, especially you, Satyan, like mm. you're saying devotion to it, and it's just like I don't know. I mean, that can you want me? Can you unpack that a little bit more? Actually, like, what do you mean when you're devote? Have this devotion to your your partner? What is what is that for you? Devotion for devotion for us is choosing each other, coming back to each other, no matter what is going on, saying yes to each other, even when we want to say no, even when we want to run in the opposite direction. Devotion is staying true to our commitment. And our commitment is to grow. Our commitment is an evolutionary growth for the higher good. It's beyond even our relationship. Hmm. For us, we are devoted to the truth of growth. And having that as a value, no matter what is going on within the relationship, because we've been together for 31 years. We've seen everything. We've been there. We've got the t-shirt for it all. There's nothing that surprises us. But our commitment has been to follow that truth of growth evolutionary growth within our relationship be devoted to that in our relationship together and in that we devote to each other right hmm. it's interesting too because so many people get scared off by that word commitment yeah right it should be <laughs> well well it's not easy right no man you know. um but when you do commit and you put constraints on something it actually does open up a whole another world of possibility within those constraints, right? And that can go infinitely deep and keep going probably forever, you know? So it's like you, you think you're limiting yourself. You're limiting yourself in options. Like, I can't go and be with another partner. I can't walk away from this. But really, you're, you're opening yourself up to a whole journey, which is crazy beyond deep um, well, within like, the relationship as opposed to just like, oh, you know, spreading out your energy all over the place. You're just bringing it together. Yeah, breadth versus depth, right? Here's something we're going to throw in, Okay. With us, in our relationship, we try to have as least amount of constraints as possible. Hmm. So if Satyan wants to go and be in a relationship with somebody else, he's free to do that. If he wants to go off and go travel by himself somewhere, he's free to do that. There is no, I don't hold a constraint on him and say, no, you can't do this, no, you can't. Go there. And he has the same with me. And I think because of that, we keep coming back to each other. Because there's no, there's not a clench. It's not a hold that right. says, no, you can't. 
It's a allowing mm-hmm. of what is your highest, what, what, what brings you, what, what is the deepest joy for you? What is, what is your, your, your heart's desire? And can I bring that for you, beloved? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is devotion. Mm, that's huge. Because yeah. it's kind of like um, if, you know, like if you're truly uh, motivated to see your partner grow and explore and live the fullest, richest life they, they, they want, to, they can, yeah. they need to have at least the, the, the space to do so. And yeah, you're right. Maybe like they like think, well, this is what I think I need to do to experience this. I, I want to experience this or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're truly in their best um, well, in, in devotion to them and serving them and like in support of, yeah, I want you to have the best fucking life ever. And that's what you feel you need to do. Then you'd hope that, yeah, you, you let them like, yeah, you, you, you support their choice. Yeah. Right. We support the choices we make out of love, not fear. Mm. Yes. And, well, yeah. you know, it sounds very altruistic and it is because in practice, sometimes it's very difficult. These totally. things, right. In real practice. Right? Sure. But the key is that I've experienced for myself is, you know, in relationship with you, is I enjoy when she's enjoying life. Keeping it simple. So Mm. for when she's an enjoyment of life, I enjoy life. Now, that can be codependent in one way. If it's dependent that if she's not happy, then I'm not happy. That's codependency. Mm. But she's happy and my happiness is magnified is interdependence. Right. We uplift each other. Right? And so it's like, that's really what it's about. And, and imagine, you know, this feeling of, okay, I'm in devotion, but knowing that she's in devotion to me, I got a place to lean on, like emotionally, spiritually. Go, you know how freeing that is? That's freeing in a very profound, deep soul level. Mm-hmm. Right? And... I feel the same. I feel the same when you are there for me and I can lean on you and I know that there's no back door. You're not going to leave. And within that, there's so much room to grow. Are there any, say, non-negotiables? Like like, like something that you would, like, if, if, they, if one of the other crossed the line, is there something that you would walk away from or is that just not possible? Because it's something that, like, because every relationship has, yeah. like, you know, if, if, like, the typical one is if you cheat on me, it's over, right? So, um, for us, physical abuse, everything we're yeah, saying does not count. Everything we're saying is for everyone who's not in a physically abusive situation. I want to get course. all this clear. Mm-hmm. Of course. Everything yeah. is here a is health, in a, in a, a healthy, healthy, balanced, healthy relationship. If there's right. people, just that to make it caveat. We're not advocating furthering one's devotion, going the extra mile. If someone has is harming you or um, in any such way, right, emotional or physical. anyway, any form totally. of harm. Yeah. So please, let's just get that clear. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in those circumstances, that's a whole other um, experience. We can discuss that another time. But you know, the main thing to say about that is 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 um, love yourself enough to walk away. Just right. Little, you know? Well, one thing I was thinking when you were talking there was uh, just before was for you to be able to to be in this relationship requires a certain level of just your own work that had to be done as well. For you to be truly happy, just for her to be happy, 
it's really your work that allows that to happen. And we're in, on one level of it, I guess, right? Yes. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. And, and vice versa, right? Absolutely. So you, like this element of the individual journey within this collective, you know, dual ship journey, I guess, of what you have going on. But it's like, yeah. and, and it's like, and it's probably constant, probably never, and, but both seeing that in each other and supporting that process within each other and then having this dynamic dance of the two of you is just, yeah, I and mean, that's where you start to get into this open up to new possibilities because you have two people who are on this internal solar journey through life, but yet they're dancing in this vortex together, right? Yes. Yes. And that's that's where it's like, what is that when you're both on that trajectory? And that's where you're, yeah, I mean, you get 31 years and still like passion and, you know, purpose and, and working together and like transformation and all that shit. So Speaking of transformation, yes, that seems to be your to forte, right? That's what you guys focus on is transformation. Yes. And on in that spirit of like continuous improvement and working on yourselves, what are some of the more powerful transformational experiences that each of you have had throughout your life mm. to help you bring you to where you are now? <laughs> there was about three of them before like as three o'clock today and how many yesterday? <laughs> oh my gosh. Transformation. Let me let me just start with our marriage in itself. Right. So Satin and I are from two different cultural backgrounds. So he's from Hindu background, Indian Hindu, and I'm from a Catholic Jamaican background, which, you know, if you look at us, you won't, you can't necessarily tell the difference, but if you knew the cultures, you'd know that they are completely so mm, different. Totally. So if you've seen my Greek wedding, I don't know if any of you have seen that, oh, yeah. but it's, it's basically a, a story about two completely different groups of people. That's what our families were like um, when we, it took, it took Satyan eight years to commit. So we talk about commitment. Took eight years hey, for him to, took eight years for him to say, I want to, I'm really ready now to get married. Right. So that in itself was huge, you know, and our families were feuding forever. Hmm. And then when we both decided, I mean, I had decided eight years before, but you, oh. when you finally decided and I decided that this was it, um, the commitment itself was what, you know, held our hand for years and continues to do that. Interesting. Nice. You know? And our families came together. Our families came together so beautifully and... A personal interest to, uh, for myself, I'm yeah. actually getting married in August, and my fiance is Vietnamese. So Wonderful. we definitely yeah. have some uh, cultural differences within our two families. Uh -huh. yes. So what has been um, the way you've helped those two families like merge and blend <laughs> each other like relatively uh, I, I, I enjoy peacefully? A, I enjoy all, you know, so I came from a very Hindu background, right? Very right. different background, right? Than a Catholic background, so... Um, our gods have elephant heads and, you know, 16 arms and, you know, tongues coming out and, you know, heads of men in, in yeah. strings around their necks. So things like that. And then I went to her place where there's this dead man hanging on something. And I'm like, what the hell? It's a little scary, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, so different, totally different imprints of what these things are. But I learned to love it. You know, I learned. I, I saw this uh, movie when I was a kid, and it was um, it was a Jewish young boy and a German young girl, and they were and they would meet and be friends, 
just during this tension, mm. pre, just before everything, all of that, you know, before the war. Uh, uh, Holocaust, and just before right. all of that was going down, right. all the tension was mounting. But and when I saw that movie, I went, anyone can love each other. Mm. And so I learned to love and embrace and just, you know, Stephen Covey says it, right? Seek to understand mm-hmm. first before trying to be understood. Mm. And when, when he, those words really touched me deeply. No, sorry, go ahead. I would say to anyone that is going into marriage partnership that you are, you are, married, you are marrying and you are partnering with the family of your partner. If you want it to last, mm. yeah. you're partnering with them. And if you come from the place of this family brought me my beloved, without them, particularly their parents, mm. without them, th- my partner would not be here. And so um, for me, in my experience, I was devoted to honoring Satyan's parents deeply. And I wasn't accepted at all in the beginning, actually. Hmm. But I was devoted to honoring them and devoting myself to being, you know, in love with them because they brought me my beloved and because I love him so much. How can I not love the ones that bring him to me? Well, it's an interesting way of looking at it because so many, so many, uh, Wives have troubles with mothers-in-laws, right? Like, isn't that such a common What's your term conflict? for in-laws? Right. So um, I wish that was my term. I was given this by another <laughs> wonderful woman. I heard it, and I kept it. And it's mother-in-love, father-in-love, mm. family-in-love. The in-law thing seems it's, so distant. It's pretty cold. It is pretty cold. Mm-hmm. But the names can be so um, endearing. If you remember that this is the, this is the lo- they brought you your love, mm. and they are that love, and right. to treat them from that place. So changing the language you use around Change describing the them and thinking about them Endearing. in a better way, right? Absolutely. And then hold them in devotion too. Hold right. them, yes. And how do you like Embrace work as them. like a as a couple in order to bring? Like the families together, and like because event there can definitely be family tensions for sure. Yes. So how do you get them like respecting each other, and then eventually you know find that love and admiration between the two different factors? Yeah. We'll we let, let you both, know how that both, goes. <laughs> both oh, our families, okay. both our families <laughs> like to party, which is good. Okay, they that's both good. like to celebrate. So when we get together, you know, for Christmas or you know some type of you know larger occasion, then we all party together. My mom makes. Uh, your father, um, his favorite, his special, sandwich. his special sandwiches, because he doesn't like too much Indian food, but he, he uh, like in the slightest or any, but he he will eat her chutney sandwiches, cucumber chutney sandwiches, and my dad and your mom ham it ham it up all the time. Yes, yes. So we believe just bring people together, have a good meal, have good food, right. and let people work out their Keep own stuff. Keep it simple. Right. Satyan's yeah. all about you know just bringing them together and see what happens, Mm -hmm. you know, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, and that's okay. It's always worked. I believe to just let them be them. Just let them be them. Love them. And it's actually a combination. Invite them to come and be together. And if they choose not to, that's okay too. Just let them be. Just because you fell in love and got married 
doesn't mean you have to force them together. And sometimes we often try to force it, and then it, it turns in the opposite direction. Just love them where they're at. Show them your love. And soon, 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 they'll feel that. And who doesn't want to be part of that? Right, right. Love does win. You know, and I can only imagine that if, like, if you guys just, even if there was tension or, you know, just discomfort or they're not sure, just, you know, whatever their own blocks are. But once your devoted commitment to each other, like, just became so undeniable, it's like, this isn't going to change. Like, so we might as well exactly. let's so make it make it the best we can. You know, it's like almost like, well, then let's move in. Let's make it happen, you know, sort of thing. Which so, is what happens. Your, your, your core devotion probably just eventually just shone and when the kids came yes. and and grow that's probably it's huge there there that's There's the, the unity of the families right, right there right and right it's such a perfect way to ease tension because like if you have a little child there it just like changes the whole right? game right everyone, everyone loves, loves everyone loves medicine. the baby yeah. here's sure. the thing though there are some people that are choosing not to have children so right. my suggestion to you to anyone whether you have children or not love them love your family to death mm-hmm they can't resist that. You know, like you said, Mike, love always wins. And if you love them without having an agenda behind it and you just let them be them, sooner or later something's going to shift. And you just, you know, whether it does or not, it's an environment of invitation. Right. You know, that's one topic I just thought we could jump into would be parenting and having children which i don't think we have enough time for that conversation that's that's a big one a and i don't story. think we know anything about i don't think any parents know anything it about is parenting. so ever known anything about parenting. man i guess right i have one specific question though um because of your experience how do you find where's the line between you know disciplining because children need discipline or they'll run wild uh and also like nurturing and loving them the way they are and how do you find that balance because i feel like that's such a critical one to get right because like if they're if you let them do whatever they want they're gonna be that way and have this sense of entitlement their whole life and it's not going to serve them at all so they need to have a sense of discipline but then you also if you're if you just constrain them and they they can't move and you put all these restraints and restrictions and rules on them they're going to rebel back even harder and might push away from the fam so how do you get that balance or do you have any idea are we ready to have an on-air fight we can have an on-air fight right now now at that question you're so laughing 30 years or 21 years of my grip is more tighter and her grip is more open Mm. and you know your grand our granny my grandmother. She, she gave such a beautiful visual uh, to me years ago. She says when you're raising children or anything like this in leadership or whatever, right? She said um, it's like taking sand from the, you know, the beach. The, the beach and coming to your car. If you hold it too tight, the sand will fall through. If it's too loose, it'll fall through. You have to have the right. And so my parenting journey has been about feeling that day-by-day nuance of okay is it it's not an overall arcing philosophy that i found has worked right it's required a sensitivity to their nature their being their growth rate uh it requires for me i found a relaxing 
of what I want their outcomes to be, uh, letting go of the importance of my agenda, which is constantly there, I find, and um, nurturing their, their, their choice, cultivating their self-resourcefulness. So for me, my priority has always been nurturing self-resourcefulness. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and hers is nurturance. You know, keeping them safe and loved. And that really is the role of the masculine and the feminine within raising children, right? <clears throat> you need to have that masculine, uh, like, push and drive to be willing to go out into the world and take a risk and build something. But then you also need the nurturing and the love and the unconditional love of security. the mother and the security and those typical masculine and feminine dualities. And you need, you really need, you need both, right? It's so important for those children to get both in some way. And, uh, I, I know, I just think, it's probably impossible to get through childhood without some sort of wounding. And then, well, so my thing is like, I'm going to do the best that I can. Yes. And it's just like, well, eventually they're going to have their own things that they have to develop and and get past as they get older as well. So it's like, you know, you can't nerf the world. You can't protect them from everything. Right. So life is going to happen to them. So it's like, how do we, you know, find that middle, middle ground of like the right amount of discipline, right amount of love and nurturing and, and just being okay with that, you know, because I mean, you know, parents are learning too, right? It's like when you have your first child, as Mike recently just did, and you're given that baby, it's just like, okay, this changes everything. Yeah. The game has now changed permanently, right? And that little thing is so dependent on you for everything. Um, you know, it's just, I feel like that right there is just like giving parents a little bit of grace and letting them not be so hard on themselves about doing it perfect either, right? I mean, there's, there's that too, like the, the helicopter parenting, always wanting to be around, and making sure that nothing bad is happening. So it's just finding that right balance. Like, uh, yeah. Be around the elders as much as you can. Like, Intergen- grand, like grandparents? And grandparents. Um, and if you don't have the grandparents around, intergenerational wisdom is so powerful. Yeah. Right, because they've lived through it. They've lived through it, and they're relaxed. Mm. We're full of angst. You know, we have our children, and it's, oh, we want to get it right. And where's that book that tells us how to do it exactly right, you Mm. know? And you'll have so many experts trying to tell you they know the way. And a lot of them don't even have children. Right. They've read the books, but they don't know. They've read the books. They've written the books. They've seen children. They see how children should be. Find the elders, sit with them, bring your children around the elders and have the elders trans, you know, give them, transmit wisdom to the children Mm. because the children will listen to that. Yeah, it's true. You know, that's one thing that it's been on my radar for a while too, is like this idea of really incorporating grandparents into the family and, 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 you know, not putting them into a home for as long as possible when, when they get to that age. And it's like, cause there's, there's so much value and wisdom in their lives that they can integrate into the family. And it's like, you know, that's one thing that's such a tragedy. So many elderly these days are like just sort of cast away, you know, you're not productive anymore. We put you into a home and, and that's kind of wraps it up. Right. But it's like, there's so much wisdom to be had within those people that it's like, yeah, you know, remember that, listen to that. Exactly. You know, in old school cultures, it was the seniors, it was the elders who were the main <clears throat> teachers of the youth. And the adults weren't the teachers, they were the demonstrators of what the elders. So they were only allowed to teach 
in certain cultures, uh, in certain indigenous cultures, they weren't they weren't allowed to teach adults at all anything. They were only allowed to demonstrate, hmm. live by example, right. and only the elders were allowed to teach because their lifespan, their viewpoint, the maturity of their viewpoint would allow them to come from a more Taoist, a relaxed place of equanimity and right relax you know like ah right. oh, yes ah oh, yes from yeah. wisdom and i should say i'm not judging people for, like that have like there are situations when like you know the parents health regress to a point where it's, it's beyond like you can't you can't care for them anymore mm-hmm. and that's yes. that's very real so mm-hmm. that's that's definitely not a judgment on that sure. i'm yeah. just more reflecting on like how can we tap into the wisdom of like the people around us and, and like grandparents wisdom yeah and not even our own you could grandparents elders in general elders as a whole general. yeah as a whole <laughs> They're living totally. treasures is what they are. Mm-hmm. And that's where the history lies. Don't go to the books. Go to the people that are still alive with the wisdom and bring your children there. Let your children see the value of that because what they see you demonstrate is how they'll treat you when they get to that age as well. It's true. Absolutely. For sure. Well, is there... Anything that uh, you really want to touch on today that we haven't gotten into yet? I'm sure there's many things you could dive into from this point, but is there anything you'd like to close with, with uh, after the conversation we've had tonight? Mm. It's been so rich and full, gentlemen. Um, I just want to, what I, what I would want to say is just to find the truth within yourself. Whatever that knowing is, that you must live in this life. Take the time to find that. Take the time to source that. Find someone who will help you to source that. Go deep into that place and align your life with that. And when you do, then life is a joy. Life is a blessing. And relationship is just... The icing on the cake. Mm, that's powerful. Well said. Amazing. Very cool. Enough said. All right. We'll leave it out that. Let the, let the, the, the female energy, the feminine energy just yeah. close it out. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for making your way down from Abbotsford and uh, coming down and sitting down and having a conversation with us. We really appreciate your time. And uh, for anyone who wants to connect with Sachin and Suzanne, Mm-hmm. Um, just visit warriorsage.com and you can reach them through there. So, very good. Anything else you'd like to say today? Nope. Thanks for joining us, everybody, as always. And uh, really looking forward to our next journey together. So, until then, till next time. To whatever is. To whatever is. <laughs>